0: So stay standing, and let's pick it up in Ephesians 2, verse 11, and just read through uh, what we looked at last week, and then into verse 19. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world." But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And here's where we pick it up today in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. May the Lord just add his blessing to his word here today. You may be seated. So from verse 1, or sorry, from verse 11, we have been looking at this incredible work of God in our lives here. We were looking last week from verses 11 to 18, the reality of unity, the relevance of unity, and as we pick it up here today, we're going to continue to see the result of this unity because what we've seen in chapter two of Ephesians is just one of those glorious chapters for the believer because it's it's laid out for us where we were, right? We were following the course of the world. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, verse four, has made us alive in Christ Jesus. So we see this work that God has done in our lives here, but not only has he saved us now, not only are we this workmanship, verse 10, that is created in in Christ for good works. But what he's done now is that he's brought those that were once far off, us Gentiles, and he's brought us into unity now with the Jews. Because what he's done in verse 11 to 18, as we just read there, is he's kind of laid out where the Gentiles were, how bad the Gentiles had it. They were, as it said, without Christ, right? They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were kind of on the outside of all this blessing that Israel was experiencing in God, for the most part, the blessing that God desired for them to experience if they walked in obedience. they had this special relationship with God. And then the Gentiles too, it said also that they were strangers from the covenants of promise. God had made all these promises and these agreements now with Israel that he was gonna do this work through them and in them. But the Gentiles were just kind of looking at all, going, that sounds nice. I'd like to be a part of that. But they're on the outside. Why? Well, because they were without Christ as we saw. And then it goes on to say that they were without hope. And they were without God. They were in a bad place. They were in a bad spot in their lives. Things were not looking good for them. But then in Christ, we saw again those glorious words there in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So this glorious work that's been done for the Gentiles in bringing them in. But now here's the great thing, is that God didn't just bring them in to now be Jews. This wasn't something that God was saying, well, we'll add you in. He says, no, I'm gonna take the Gentiles and I'm gonna take the Jews now. And because of this new work in Christ, I'm gonna make them a new man and we're gonna see this new humanity being formed in and through the church. God is doing a new work now in the church. The church hasn't replaced Israel. Don't get me wrong here, okay? We're not talking about Israel being set aside or forgotten, neglected, and now God just works through the church. No, we're living in a time where he is Bringing the church together, the bride of Christ, and there will be another time. In the end times where God is going to work again through that nation of Israel and do a work of drawing them to him. So we haven't replaced Israel, all right? We haven't just kind of dismissed them. There's still a work to be done, but right now what he's doing is he's bringing all people together in Christ in this new humanity, the church. So what Paul begins to do now in verse 19 to the end of the chapter is he begins to give us this illustration of what this church is like. He pictures for us in, in very familiar pictures to the Jews and the Gentiles what this church is, is looking like. And so what we're gonna see in verses 19 to 22, we're gonna see that now because of this new humanity, because of what Christ has done, we're part of God's new kingdom. We're part of God's new family and we're part of God's new temple. Those are the three things that we're essentially gonna focus on here today in our message. Uh, this morning, verse 19, let's read that again. It says this. Now, therefore, so again, when you see that, you're asking yourself, why is this being written? Well, because of what we've just seen. Because of what we've just seen, Christ bringing all together in this new man. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So again, think about the Gentiles. And again, Gentiles were anybody that wasn't a Jew. So if you're not a Jew today, you're a Gentile. You were one of those people. This isn't something that we're just looking at historically going, yeah, those Gentiles really had it bad. No, we had it bad because we were just like them where we were separated from God. We were looking in at a distance going, that would be nice to be a part of that, but we were kept away from it in a sense. Because of our own sin, we were dead in trespasses and sins. But Christ has made us alive. So now we were once foreigners and strangers, Paul says, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So that's the first thing that we're looking at is that we've been brought in now, we're part of this new kingdom of God. That's, uh, I think this is so cool, because recognize you were aliens, foreigners, with no rights and no privileges as citizens, okay? Think about when you go away on a vacation, usually you 're going on a vacation to some place we love to go to places that are tropical right we love to get to Hawaii's like our favorite you know one of our favorite destination places next to israel israel 's the top right there because in israel you got it all right I mean you can go skiing in Israel you can go surfing in israel you got the beaches you got everything you just got it all in israel so it 's great and i 'm not just trying to pump another israel tour, although that when it does come, get ready but so we love to go to these places but How many times have you been on a vacation and you thought, man, this is pretty nice. I would like to to just stay here. I would like to just make this my home. This is good. Now, of course, you're on vacation. You're not working. Everything feels better when you're not working, right? So you're like, this is great. But you see, you could sit there and say, that's it. I'm not going back. I'm going to just stay here. But you're going to quickly realize that that Vacation is gonna be a revocation because you're not gonna be living with any rights and privileges of a citizen. There's gonna be things that you're not able to do because that's not your home, you see. You're gonna end up after a week like begging people on the beach for money because you're like, I'm out of money now and I can't work here. There's no privileges because you're not a citizen. As much as you love to stay, you're kind of like an outsider. But you see what God has said and done here in his word, he said you were like those people that were On the outside of the kingdom, saying, I'd love to be a part of that. But now he's brought you in as a citizen. He's brought you in. You were a foreigner, you were a stranger, but now you are brought in with all the privileges and the rights of a citizen in the kingdom of God. That's pretty glorious. Now, we oftentimes like to think about the kingdom of God as something that's a future work that we're going to be a part of one day. The kingdom of God, we know, is going to be established when Christ comes back at his second coming. That's going to be a physical. Return of Christ, where he literally establishes this thousand year reign of Christ on earth when it is gonna be glorious, perfect, it's gonna be peaceful, it's gonna be everything that we've wanted you know, in society. We're gonna see it happen in the thousand year reign of Christ. It's gonna be wonderful, but here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not something that we just look forward to in a future day. I believe it's something that we can and should be experiencing now. How? Well, think about what, what Jesus said here. He said in in Luke, I'm going to skip ahead here. He says in Luke 17, verse 21, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. See, anytime that we allow Jesus to have reign and rule in our hearts, guess what we're experiencing? We're experiencing the kingdom of God because where the king is, the kingdom is going to be. And so when we say, Jesus, would you come in and would you take prominence, dominance in my life, would you have priority? Would you be the one that's reigning and ruling in me? Guess what we're experiencing? We're experiencing this great peace of God, this great kingdom of God, that we've now been brought in as citizens to. When Jesus came, in Mark's Gospel, when Jesus came, the first words recorded of Jesus in Mark's Gospel was this, Mark 1, verse 14 to 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus' message was, listen the kingdom of God is at hand. Now he says that in the context of this, John's put in prison. So what we see is we see conflict now between earthly kingdoms or earthly government and the government of God or the kingdom of God that he's looking to establish. There's a conflict here. John is faithful, he's following God, but the earthly kingdoms are resisting that, fighting against that. John's put in prison. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, hey guys, we gotta stand up and we gotta oppose and fight this government. We gotta do something. we gotta rally around. Let's march around this, this jail that John is in and let's see him, no. He says, hey guys, listen. He comes preaching the gospel. The good news that The kingdom of God is coming. It it is at hand. So be prepared for that. What Jesus is saying is like, take hope guys, because we're not living for the kingdoms of this world. This world is temporal, we're passing through, and we're not gonna see everything the way that we want it to be according to this world or this kingdom. That's not our hope. This is not what we're putting our our stake in. It's not what we're looking to provide for in us being Christians and living in peace and harmony. This world is opposed to God but there's a kingdom that's coming and it's a kingdom that he's saying I want you to experience now and experience and have that peace of God by allowing the rule of God into your life today. Anywhere the king is you're going to experience that kingdom. The kingdom is linked to the reign of Jesus in your life so we're not putting our hope in this world and in the kingdoms of this world and I'm thankful for that. Because we see government today, right? Doing crazy things. Doing dumb things that we're not always in agreement with. And, and we can fight, and there's times to take a stand, no doubt, and we can fight, but there's times where we have to say, you know what? My hope is not in the kingdoms of this world. My hope is not in this government. This, this government is, is opposed to God. And yes, we should be salt and light in the world, but we also recognize that we're not looking for the government to make everything right. We're looking for Jesus to make everything right. And that's the hope that we have. And that's the message that we want to share. You're not going to find things changing until we see people changing for Jesus or or giving their life to Jesus and seeing Jesus change them. That's when we're going to see things start to operate differently. And we know that's ultimately going to be seen and come to fruition when Jesus comes again. But may we see more and more of that happen and just unfolding in our own lives. Listen, Paul was dealing with the Roman government that was as wicked and evil as any government we've seen. we think about our government today and we go, man, they are just so opposed. So, but look at what Paul's dealing with. And also the New Testament, we never see Paul or other writers saying, hey, we've got to rally against, we got to stand, we've got to fight against. I'm just like, man, let's just live out this life for Jesus. Let's let's continue to see the reign of Jesus in our lives and following him and and letting him be evident and seen through us. So what Paul is saying here, listen, you're citizens now of that kingdom. Your your hope is not in this world. Don't live for this world. You're, You're brought in now to the glorious kingdom of God as citizens with full rights and privileges now. But not only are we given now this new passport, as citizens of a new kingdom, we're given a new birth certificate. Because it says there, verse 19, that we're members of the household of God. Now think about that. Passports are wonderful. Passports gives you definitely privilege, but a birth certificate now means something. It means that you belong to something even more intimate and relational. You see, as wonderful as it is to be a part of a a, a nation, to be a citizen in a nation, well, there's certain things that, yeah, we enjoy, but, I don't always have, you know, relationship with all those that are leaders in the nation, you know? I don't have Justin Trudeau on my contact list in my phone here, but guess what? And, I'm, and I don't know if I would want that anyway, but that's beside the point. But, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing is God says, yeah, I'm the king, and I brought you in, but more than that, I'm a father that has brought you in now to the family. Paul talked about that in Ephesians 1, he talked about the adoption that we have now. We've been adopted and we've been, we've been granted now access to our Heavenly Father to where we enjoy now not just national citizenship but we enjoy familial ties that speaks of relationship and intimacy in a greater, deeper way because the bonds that you enjoy in family go much deeper and stronger than they do in just national ties. And this is what Paul is saying, that you've been brought in as members of the household of God. You've been brought into family now. We're no longer just citizens, we're children. How good is that? 1 John 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. John 1, 12, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. Boyce said this, he said, being a member of God's household brings inestimable privileges with it. It brings us into the supportive network of our spiritual brothers and sisters. It gives us a share in the oversight, fellowship and prayers of the church. It gives us a right to the sacraments and a place in God's plan. More important, it gives us access to God as Father, which means that we can come to him in prayer at any moment of any day with any need or request and have the assurance that he will hear, receive us, and answer our requests out of his own mercy and according to his own pleasing and perfect will. There is something so wonderful about being a part of the family of God. We have access to our Heavenly Father, but we enjoy now this new relationship in this new humanity as brothers and sisters in the family of God. There's something so wonderful that takes place as we gather together and experience this in operation here, one with another. And not only have we been given new citizenship and we've been given a new birth to be children of God, but we are being made into a new temple now. Again, these are great pictures of the church coming together. Look at verse 20 with me. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We're growing into a holy temple. This new body, which is the church, the bride of Christ, is being built now upon the foundation of the apostles, and prophets. Now that's interesting, what are we talking about exactly? Well, I believe we're talking about this, these New Testament apostles, the ones that were sent out, and then the prophets. The prophets were simply ones that were given that kind of word of God to share, all right? And, and it didn't always imply that they were you know, foretelling future events, but also simply that they were foretelling God's word. Speaking forth God's word. So the foundation now of this church is built upon the things that they said and established, which is the word of God. Our our church is to be built upon this very word of God, which is great because guess what the word of God is doing? It's all pointing us to Jesus Christ. The word of God speaks of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament was Jesus Christ concealed, hinting, kind of referencing, pointing to him. But now the New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. It's this work that Jesus has done for us. And and the church is being built upon that very foundation. And that foundational piece is that chief cornerstone which is speaking of Jesus Christ. You see, when they were building in this day, that chief cornerstone, was that stone by which all other stones would be aligned to? That was the foundational piece that would bring foundation, but also it would align all the other stones. It'd be like today, if we're building, you know, you'd make sure you're out there with a level. We got laser levels today that you can use and just, you know, send lines out everywhere to go, okay, is this all in line? Is this level? Because you don't want to do that without that. as much of my projects in the past have been all done, you know, just eyeing it all, piecing it together, and then you just got shambles. You got something that's not stable, that's not holding things together, right? It's not good. But we, we build things today where everything's in line, level, everything's perfect, you know. In that day, they've got that chief cornerstone that would just fit everything together. And Jesus is the one by which we all align ourselves to, by which we come and, and it brings everything into just a perfect fit. Everything needs to connect to Jesus. Everything needs to fit around Jesus. Anytime that we take Jesus out, we're going to be out of a line. We're going to be a mess. We're not going to have any stability or strength in our our structure as a church. So that foundation, the word of God, which all speaks of Christ, Jesus being that chief cornerstone. Now as Paul is writing and he's identifying us as being now this holy temple in the Lord, Paul would be thinking about Ephesus, this place that he'd spent many years in ministry, and there in Ephesus they had, you know, that uh, one of the seven um, ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, or that Temple of Diana, and. He would think about that temple and all the people there gathering on the temple. And then he would also think about Jerusalem. And he'd have the temple there. Uh, Herod's temple that was, uh, again, just added on to and built just a glorious site. So they had reference points of these temples as Paul's talking about it. They're thinking, man, that was uh, these structures of beauty and glory. <laughs> temple of Artemis where they would come and worship you know, this false goddess of uh, of Diana, uh, there at the temple, the place where God said, I will, I will dwell and, and where you can meet with me. But you see, these temples, in and of themselves, are, are actually paling in comparison to what Paul wants to point us to. That we're no longer looking to a physical structure. We're no longer limited now to a temple made by man's hands we're talking about a temple now that God is putting together and fitting together, and he's using you and me as believers in Christ to be a part of this, where he's fitting us together, not only to dwell in, but to reveal his glory through, which is what these temples were, again, to be all about. Peter says in, in 1 Peter 2, verse five, you also living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ you and me we're now these living stones that are being pieced together now what was interesting is there at solomon's temple it tells us in first kings chapter 6 i believe it is where the the stones were being pieced together at a separate rock you know quarry a separate site and the stones would be all manufactured pieced together and we're talking about when you go to israel today again another shameless plug just one day to go to israel with us but when you go to Israel today, you can go down um, at the, the temple mount, and you can see these huge stones that are like, you know, the width of this room. They're just like huge. And you wonder, how did they move these things? But they, they put together all these stones at a separate site. They'd fit them all together, and they would send them to the temple site so that there was to be no sound of manufacturing at the temple site. It was to be a place of peace, you see. And, and right now, we're like kind of living, I believe in that, rock quarry in a sense where there's a lot of hammering and chiseling going on right there's a lot of noise and disruption at times we're going to be you know going through at times a lot of racket here on this earth but understand Jesus is doing a work and he's fitting us together perfectly he's aligning us with other stones that are creating this great temple of God not made with man's hands but made by the Lord alone and and there are times where again We're being fitted together and sanded down where we feel at times like this irritation. Sometimes that irritation we think is that person next to me that's bothering me. But the Lord's saying, oh no, that's that stone that's just kind of rubbing off some of those edges and burrs on you that need to be removed here, you see. Don't look at other people and go, man, this person's a problem. God's saying, I don't know if they're the problem as much as maybe you need just a bit more sanding down here so that you can be Fit it together as a temple of God that I can again just reveal my glory all the more through. So understand that as we're going through this world, as we're going through this rock quarry, things are not what they are going to be. People are not what they are going to be, but we thank the Lord that we're not what we once used to be. God's doing that work and he's continuing that work as he's fitting us together. And, and there will come that time when we will see exactly what God has in store for us, when we will be enjoying perfect peace in him. Paul continues this thought in our last verse here, verse 22, when he says, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You're being built together. Why? To be at the temple of the Lord. Why is the temple there? To be a dwelling place of God in the spirit. See, all through the Bible, we've seen God's intent and desire to dwell with humanity. In the Garden of Eden, he makes Adam and Eve to enjoy fellowship with Him. God's walking with man in the cool of the day in the garden, but then Adam and Eve sinned. They kind of marred this work that God wanted to do. They're cast out of the garden. But then God provided altars, altars where sacrifice could be made, sin could be atoned for, and we could again be walking in communion with God. But then God said, you know what? I'm gonna establish now something even greater. I'm gonna give you the tabernacle. The tabernacle that would go with them through the wilderness wanderings that they could set up and take down. And as they set it up, again, God says, it's here in the tabernacle that I'll meet with you. But then God said, we're gonna make this a permanent place. He builds the temple. And the temple is there again for God to just meet with man and and reveal that glory. But then the temple's destroyed. People are wondering, how are we gonna operate now in relationship with God? God says, oh no, we don't need, again, temples. We don't need altars. I'm gonna meet with you now because of the work of Jesus Christ who was that great altar on the cross, that, that final place. Jesus came to be that dwelling place of God and now that can operate within the church who God is bringing together as that temple that he can dwell in. Understand that as we gather together as we do, there's something so wonderful that takes place. Because it's here that God wants to meet with us. It's here that God wants to reveal himself to us and with us. Paul talked about this temple being you and I throughout his writings, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. again. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So again, God desires to, to make himself known among us and to dwell with us, the church here and we're being fitted together to be that temple of the Lord. I think that's so wonderful. And not only for God just to dwell with us, to be in fellowship with him, but again to reveal that glory of God. Look at what John Stott writes, he writes this. I wonder if anything is more urgent today for the honor of Christ and for the spread of the gospel than that the church should be and should be seen to be what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is, a single new humanity a model of human community, a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other, the evident dwelling place of God by his spirit. Only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker. Only then will God receive the glory due to his name. Worship team, I'm gonna invite you to come up and, and just prepare yourselves here. We're gonna close with a song, but what I love about this is that though we're no longer restricted to a physical place, And that's wonderful. We can also kind of get a little bit lazy at times and and think, you know what, the church is not a building. I don't need to go to a place to be the church. I'm the church wherever I am, we're the church, and we can sometimes get lazy, but understand something. I think there is to be a physical component to the church in the sense that we need each other and we need to come together. Again, I remind you of what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Key in on those words there, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Guess what, my friends, I believe the day is approaching when the Lord is coming back. Amen. Well, we're gonna be raptured up. I think what we're seeing around us, man, days are short. And, and so, I think all the more, regardless of what restrictions we see happening, we need each other. We need to come together. We need to be a part of the church that is meeting, encouraging, equipping one another, strengthening one another, being a blessing to one another, where we operate, and, and guess what? As we gather together, how sweet it is when we get to come and just worship. I was worshiping this morning, and I was like, Lord, I hear angels around me, and I looked at, behind me, it's just chalet, and I'm like, man, that's, that's all good. It's all great, but you don't get that in your living room. I mean, you can try, but then you just got neighbors out there looking at you. What is going on over there? What's that racket? There's something wonderful that happens as we meet together, gather together, that we don't get outside of this context here. You see? And, and, and the days are short where we need to continue to be together to equip each other. We're, the, 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 the church is not the building, no. But the church needs to be assembling together, to be a blessing to one another, and, and just again to experience in an even greater way just the presence of God and the glory God that we can take that out now and and shine that out in the world around us here I'm thankful that we're not relying upon you know the 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 kingdoms of this world they're going to fail us but we're a part of a new kingdom a part of God's kingdom we're part of his family and we're to be that temple being fitted together don't worry about what people are doing around you that might be rubbing you the wrong way know that that's rubbing you into that right spot, that right fit in God's temple that we might bring greater glory to him in all that we do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word and just for the, the opportunity to gather together, Lord. Thank you that you have caused us now, the church, to be that temple of God by which you dwell in. And I pray that we might experience just your presence here ongoing and just enjoy fellowship with you and with one another as members of the household of God together. May we seek to equip and encourage one another as we just keep looking to you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So go with us and strengthen us now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and let's lift up the name of Jesus.